This morning in the Boston Metro newspaper, six letters, eight down, reckless is the clue. What is madcap? Madcap is right. Wada da 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 dang. Check it. The big kids don't play. Nope, we don't play. The big kids don't play. Toys ain't us. The big kids don't play. <laughs> we don't play. The big kids don't play. Check it, Joe. Hello, this is Madcap DC. I'm David Ross. I'm Daniel Bloom. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We've got yet another ear-quenching show for you today. We're here to discuss the popular medium that is film and its future in the city of Washington, D.C. In studio, we have Patrick Taylor and his cohort, Alistair Kennedy. And via Skype, we have John Hivey, owners of D.Dot Films, a film house in Washington, D.C. These two recently got some shine for their short film, Fishing Without Nets, which John Hivey produced and co-wrote, and which Patrick Taylor provided the original music. And I must say, the music was quite suspenseful. The film was directed by Cutter Hodiern and is about Somali pirates. They won the Grand Jury Prize for short films at the Sundance Film Festival. But most importantly, these are local boys, both having graduated from Georgetown Prep, a somewhat mediocre institution. I think Daniel Bloom and I would agree that it isn't as elite as Springbrook High School or Blair High School, but not everybody can be a scholar. My first question is for John. John, can you hear me good? I can, yeah, I can hear you just right. fine. Okay, my first question is for you, okay? I want you to uh, complete this story. All right, three white guys go to Africa and try to get guns from the government. What happens next? Um, what happens next? Uh, we hand them off to a bunch of Somali guys and uh, hope they can act like pirates as we film them on the waters. How'd that go? Um, it was pretty amazing. Uh, the uh, the short ended up great. I mean, we uh, it, it, it was great. I mean, I don't know. What to, I don't know what to tell you. The the, the was- output was really authentic. Um, the guys we cast were perfect. The uh, the photography ended up looking beautiful. The sound was great. Um, it, it was awesome. So, I mean, we came back, edited for like, you know, six months, nine months, had Patrick work on the score, um, and, uh, and then started shopping around at festivals. How did you actually get the guns from the government? Um, it, it was a bunch of different trial and error type of thing. Uh, we started off talking to the head of police at Mombasa, um, who just kept on promising us, yes, 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 we'll get you guns. So the whole time we were just under the impression that this would eventually somehow happen. Um, what ended up feeling like he was just holding us off until these two American tourists would just leave um, eventually turned into us getting a lot more proactive about proactive about it. And uh, and having to fly back and forth from uh, from Mombasa to Nairobi to speak with local Nairobi police, and eventually uh, Cutter and Rafi, another producer on the film, uh, spoke to like the like the Secretary of State of Kenya um, in order to finally get their okay to allow us to use their prop guns that were from Nairobi. So it was it's like a whole lot of bureaucratic channels, and in order to get this kind of okay. Uh, to do it, um, it necessitated a lot of conversation with some high-level individuals, particularly because the Constitution at the time of Kenya uh, outlawed any kind of guns. Understandably. Uh, well, I mean, it's like in the states you're allowed to own guns uh, in, in with proper licenses. Uh, if you have any, it's really hard to get a gun with with. Uh, uh, with a, it's really hard to get a license in Kenya, and if you have a gun illegally, 
it's life imprisonment. Um, so it's like that's why you're seeing a lot of pictures right now in like the Kenyan uh, in the, uh, the pictures right now about the the riots in Mombasa. I don't know if you guys have heard about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's riots in Mombasa right now, and uh, you see a lot of people like you know with like rocks throwing rocks and lots of fires and like like kind of explosives, and that's about as much as like you really see in Kenya in terms of uh, rioting. So. So all this bureaucracy was necessary for prop guns. <laughs> well, they're real, yeah, they're real guns, uh, they, but they have, like, these specific guns that are, like, specifically for, for like, movie making and whatever reason you would need that kind of gun. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it seems outrageous in our, in our kind of world because, you know, there's a lot of movies being made. You, the, people have guns. You just have, like, gun specialists. But like the only way to get a gun in Kenya is to go through the government, and uh, and that's just that, you know. You all spent time in jail in Kenya, didn't you? Not too much time in jail. <laughs> how, how long um, was that? Did the you meet, story's getting better. Yeah, did and you better. meet anybody? <laughs> did you meet anybody? Any like any 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 interesting stories in the Kenyan jail? I mean, no, no, we weren't even there overnight. You know, uh, they basically just uh, they basically uh, they well I, the reason why we were ended up in jail is because uh, like the day before. We had just we we were out in the water with the guns with the police uh, the day before. So the police were always around you when you when you use guns uh, in Kenya. Um, and so you're uh, we just kind of we went on the water and then we landed on like a regular ass beach. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you can test. Yes, you can. Go uh, right ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Safe park. Uh, so we just landed on a regular beach and uh, it end, it ended up like kind of freaking out some of the local people who were living there because they're like. <laughs> Who are these random, uh, you know, Somali Al Shabaab dudes led by like white terrorists? Uh, <laughs> Worst case scenario. <laughs> like we were like we were obviously specialists from from some other terrorist group that was teaching local Shabaab how to how to handle their AK-47s or something like that. And so like the word kind of traveled around that village into another village into another village into another village that we were like marauding terrorists like doing training or something in Kenya and uh, and then they showed up on set the next day after we had sent the guns back with the policemen and we're just doing like regular pickups where the pirates are like kind of strategizing um, and like like uh, like a, like the entire village like showed up with some of their like local militia <laughs> and we're like you guys can't do this and we're all like yes we can we've got these permits <laughs> y'all got balls man <laughs> <laughs> we've got these permits to terrorize basically <laughs> and uh, and uh, they just said we don't care about your permits and brought us in. There's a lot that I think is right with their response to this whole situation. <laughs> like, the word of mouth spreading like wildfire and then showing up and confronting you and not taking your piece of paper. <laughs> I mean, I see your perspective, but I like what they did. I can't, I can't lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the main reason was that we had a copy of it and it wasn't the original. It wasn't the original. <laughs> we know about notarizing. Notarizing is a huge so Patrick, you did the sound for this film, right? Yes, yeah. I, I, um, myself and uh, Kevin Hilliard, we uh, composed this this film. Yeah, it was a blessing, really. Nice. How long did that take? That, I mean, the sounds were sick. It was definitely uh, I liked it a lot. It, it was probably about a week. They didn't give me a lot of time, which was a blessing that they liked what we were doing mm-hmm. and they ran with what we were doing. Um, 
like we've done other projects where you have to go back and forth, back and forth. But when we sent Cutter the first kind of the, the major theme, he was like, that's it. That's what we're doing. And we were and we we really just ran with it. And uh, and it was it was great because we won because <laughs> we won the competition. Yeah. How was how was Sundance for you all? That must have been tough. It was surreal. It really was a surreal experience uh, of being the cool people. Like, like <laughs> Sundance has a, has a. I know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's every day for David Ross. <laughs> Trust me, being in DC and making films, um, y- you don't get the type of fanfare that you get when you you get into that competition and you're one of the it people, and they make you feel like an it person. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of like. Everyone's just like, I just want to get back to Sundance for the parties, like, because they let you into the, every party and you feel like a superstar, and it really is great. How was the music at the parties at Sundance? John, John's the music nerd. He can. Um, yeah, they had some. They had some really dope DJs that were playing all around town, which is super cool. But like uh, the uh, the Park City's main drag kind of like turns into something completely different for that week or ten days, like. Uh, the name of every restaurant, some of the restaurants and like definitely all the clubs just change names for that week. They're just like <laughs> sponsored by Bing. Like, it's just like <laughs> Bing, so go to Bing. And I didn't even know Bing was like an internet thing. I just thought it was a bar in Sundance. And <laughs> like, no, this is actually just paid for all of this freeness because a lot of stuff was free, which was great. <laughs> um, uh, was just like sponsored by. So uh, the music was cool. So they, they so they brought in a bunch of different uh, DJs for different parties. What DJs? Uh, this is what yeah. I'm getting after. I want to know who spun. Um, specifically, off the top of my head, I can't remember. We I mean, so we were, I mean, we, we were we were yeah, we were partying, <laughs> we were partying every single night, like seeing like three I'm DJs, three days a night, kind of thing. And, and watching like, movies. Some of them were bigger. Oh yeah, watching a lot of movies. A lot of, a lot of <laughs> wine spritzers, a lot of wine spritzers drank that night. Sounds like a fun week. <laughs> it was an amazingly fun week. That when, uh, when we got back f- uh, f- from it, I have a I have a day job. And um, do you? Oh my god! It was hard to wake up that morning and go into the postal service and, <laughs> and do it. I mean, I make films for the postal service, but still, it's just not the same. You know, <laughs> we just mean mugging coworkers, being <laughs> like, "Man, I'm not trying to see you." They're like, "Oh man, when are you going to L.A.?" And I'm like, "I'm in my office. <laughs> I'm never going to L.A. If you don't stop talking to me." Well, here's a question for, for the both of you. All. You you said that Sundance made you all feel like the it people, and DC doesn't do that as much for, for uh, the filmmakers. Do you think DC will ever get to that point? What do you think about doing projects in town? Like, what, what, what are your thoughts there? I mean, I, I, the whole, one of my main designs uh, since coming out of college was trying to build up a network of people in Washington, D.C. to make films there, to make films about D.C. that are not necessarily political but more cultural and social. And, uh, and I still have that desire and, and design in the long term to to be telling uh stories uh about dc um i like in terms of like dc making us feel like we're the it people i mean i'm like i'm not altogether concerned with washington dc doing that Uh, and in fact it probably would help it would help if if we did keep a low profile so we can maintain kind of some of our our gorilla-esque kind of uh filmmaking that we do do um you know, like the most recent thing that we did, friendship test, um, uh, was like right smack dab in the middle of the Washington D.C. street, Sixth Street between P and Q, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and like I tried to make that as 
big and as showy and as showcasey as we could uh, just to let people know that we're doing this. Um, in the long term, uh, like for comedy-based stuff, I'd love to, I'd love to get bigger and bigger and bigger in people's eyes so that we can get more interesting, you know, local celebrity-type, political-type, like I'm trying to get George Muris on in the next one, and he's trying to, he's try, he's trying to get into the next one. Um, Dan so loves, Dan loves to get George some DC, cool, cool DC people to be involved. But for like some of the other like social, cultural stuff, I think it'd be cool to keep a low profile and be able to tell like socially aware work in Washington, D.C., and, and do that for the long term. John, tell me about Friendship Test. I'm curious. Um, well, Friendship Test, it's basic question is the main character played by myself asks of of uh is multiple friends in each episode it's a different friend he asks the question why don't we hang out anymore <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and basically basically the uh the the response to prove their devotion is they have to like engage in some completely silly act alongside this main character so what type of acts are we talking about? I mean, with Patrick, we did the first one. It was pretty funny. I'm out in the street corner on 12th and E, totally like gorilla style, 12th and E dancing like a complete fool. Yeah, the and rain Patrick's dance. up in his rain dance, exactly. So Patrick's up looking down from his, you know, high, you know, you know, 20th floor uh, office, <laughs> looking down at me being like, what is my foolish friend doing? He's like, you got to get off my block, you know, like get off my block. This is a business day. And basically, you know, through the action of the film, I get him to dance with me <laughs> like a complete fool in the middle of a trap. Nice. Nice. In the middle of a what? Did we lose you, John? How did we lose him? John, are you there? In the middle of a what? <laughs> Suspense. I can't take it. <laughs> you just throw his phone down and say, fuck it. <laughs> this bores me. <laughs> no, seriously, look up Pamela Brown. Just he did. already did. Yeah. <laughs> Good looking. Immediately. It looks like it looks it, it looks like she could be a descendant of the colonel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Definitely. She's a bit of a Southern Belle, it looks like. Definitely. <laughs> but she's from Cagalax. She's from North Carolina. Could you get out of her? See, this is this this is, is it ringing? <laughs> Do we have nothing? Man. Call dropped, he says. Obviously. <laughs> He's not on a train, is he? He's in California. No oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> Silly question. I'm not well-traveled. It's like... <laughs> Public transportation. <laughs> I, I took the train to the airport in L.A. Right. I but, took it once. Because I... That's where you can take it. It's like... To the airport. <laughs> it was a nightmare. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. It's okay. It's okay. We're... Um, apparently, they're, they're the... Uh, Cell phone uh, connection in, in Beverly Hills is like a difficulty. In oh, Beverly Hills! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, where are you oh. in Beverly Hills right now? <laughs> Rodeo Drive. Yeah. <laughs> well, am I? I'm I'm, sta I'm standing outside of Vice uh, Vice's offices. Um, you guys know Vice Magazine. Yes, we do. Records. Yes. Yeah. So we're what the Fishing Without Nets uh, has partnered with Vice to to make the feature length version of the Ooh. short, and so we're working out of their LA offices. Ooh, y'all ready to feature, huh? That's what's Look at up. this. Nice. Y'all got to be excited about that. 
Yeah, it's huge. It's awesome. It's, it's <laughs> great. I'm out here pre-producing. We're probably going to head uh, to Mombasa in the next month or so and then pre-produce for a little while then then start shooting, uh, do principal photography for the feature-length version. Is you left off dance with you in the middle of the what? In the middle of the Washington, D.C. city street. And basically, uh, because he's decided to do that with me, it implies that our friendship is renewed and we can continue about going about our day. So each episode is supposed to be another test of your friend to make sure that they can act silly with you. How many have you done? We've done two. I'm wanting, we've got a couple more written. Um, and uh, I think we've got three basically plotted out. Mm-hmm. And then a fourth one with... Uh, George Mearson kind of depends on on uh, on how big we can go with George. If we can get like like I want I want I, what I want is for uh, for us to be able to either do the do a short at halftime of a Wizards game or like right after the Wizards game where people are like still sticking around. So we have a huge crowd, and I think that would be dope. Well, I'll let you know that by the fourth quarter of every Wizards game, it's mainly empty. So after the Wizards game, it's probably not going to work. You probably have better luck at some high school game somewhere. Yeah, that's right. True. Quick story about George Murasan, just to interlude here. (laughs) I'm DJing a wedding on Sunday, and the groom of this wedding once showed up to his Jewish Community Center of Greater Washington pickup basketball game, 5-on-5. And the other team only had four players, and they had five. And they said, oh, well, we can wait for your fifth to show up. And he said, no, no, no. Let's start right now. Because when our fifth guy shows up, you're going to want to kill yourself. <laughs> JCC, Rec League, pickup basketball, fifth guy on their team is George Mirasan. Uh, <laughs> can he still walk? Awesome. And my friend, <laughs> my friend who's getting married, Jordan Andrew, God bless him, he hit a floating layup over George Mirasan. <laughs> yes, over him. That's amazing. Like, he, it, was, it was the luckiest... Most rainbowed floater of all time, and it went in, and he now has that story to tell for the rest of his life. That's amazing. So good luck getting George Murison and try and hit some kind of shot over him, and then be like in your face. I mean that that that, that it probably will play out very similar because George <laughs> George is interested. He wants to do it. We're supposed to. Uh, he just I sent the guy an email because I met him at a Wizards game. I sent him an email. I didn't hear back. I sent a follow up, and five minutes later. The motherfucker is calling me on the phone. Yes. And I'm like, hello? And he's like, mute or something. And I'm like, like, all I'm thinking in my head is like, is this Patrick? Is Patrick fucking with me? Is Cutter fucking with me? I'm going down the Rolodex and motherfuckers just fucking with me all the time. And I'm like, this, I just have to play it out. I got to play it out for real. Like, this must be George. Or if it's not, who cares? But yeah. Source, this is amazing. And it, and it was. It was legit George. He was like, I'm headed to like Romania right now. I'll, yeah. I'm going to be back in town in September. Let's have a coffee. I'm like, coffee with George. <laughs> Sweet. I'm in. What size? Tall. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going uh, to put my man Alistair Kennedy in one of these? Alistair Kennedy is in uh, the most recent friendship test we shot oh. that features not only Alistair Kennedy, uh, but uh, eight foot by eight foot by five foot giant roller skate, fully functioning, the largest fully functioning roller skater in the history of the world. Which he made me push all the way down the street. Uh, yeah, I saw myself. I saw those pictures. Those pictures were amazing. Thank you. T- t- I mean, ro- why why roller skating? What what does why roller skating through the DC streets? How'd that idea come about? You know, it's funny enough. Stephen Mack and I were talking, and Stephen Mack. Uh, 
he uh, he wrote the first pass at this thing, which involved an art gallery and me on roller skates, <laughs> basically because he wanted to see me get hurt. <laughs> and uh, when I when I thought about roller skates, I was like, that's funny. I I, I can do roller skates. And then like as we, as I started thinking about more making it bigger and bigger and bigger, the thing just got literally bigger and bigger and bigger in my head. And uh, and I decided that the only way to have like you know, roller skates in an art gallery would be to have, like, a giant installation art piece that is a roller skate. So it just grew from there. So you've done a couple of these, and you have more planned out, but you're in L.A. right now, and you're looking to go back to Somalia, right? So Or Kenya. Uh, to Kenya. So how are you going to get more of these done? I mean, is it is it an issue of trying to find the time and, and the uh, the availability in D.C. when you're here? You know, I mean, the uh, the... The web series is something I want to do for a while. So I mean, I I I, I know that uh, that the that the Fish Without Nets project has kind of like we're going to shoot it out this 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 the rest of the year, and so I'm kind of gearing up, uh, you know, to do hopefully another one in like February or something to to do another friendship test in February. Um, so or shoot another one in January whenever it kind of whenever the chips fall fall into place. So it's like do this project with Fishing Without Nets because it's something that I've put a lot of time into uh, in terms of pre-producing. It's like I think it's been about three years since we like started talking about the idea. Uh, so watch that piece to fruition, and then Friendship Test. Keep doing those. I mean, these things like films take a long time from the point of like, hey, let's think about this to the point of uh, to actually getting it into a theater. I can I can imagine the Fishing Without Nets project would take five years total um, to get to a theater near you. So it's like, I mean, it's, it, and for and for uh, friendship test, it's a piece that I can't I like I came up with years ago. Finally found a way to put it into a short format because I was thinking of it as a feature length film. Found a way to put it into a short format, make it a serial, and then from there I'm hoping to, to pitch it in some ways, either depending on how it looks and feels as a feature or as a longer television show, serial. So it's like these things take time. You can't just say, oh, I don't have time. I, I can't. You just have to, you, can, you have to think longer than that, you know? Does anyone misperceive Fishing Without Nets as a documentary? And if so, how do you handle that? All the time, and we say thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's great for people to think that a piece of fiction, uh, particularly when you're, in, when you're in, working in, in a realism as authenticity, uh, it's great for people to think it's a documentary. We had this in mind when we were shooting it. We knew that this was part of it. We interview, uh, we interviewed pirates, uh, not actual pirates, but our, our, our cast. We interviewed them on camera, piece to camera, like like a documentary. And our initial cuts had more of that stuff in it. Uh, and uh, and and that's the way we wanted people to feel when they were in the middle of this movie to be questioning whether or not this was real or if it was if it was put together. And uh, I, one of one of the number one things I learned from Sundance was that I'm not, and Cutter and I and Rafi and I are not the only people out there trying to just do, do like straight authentic realism uh, in the fictional format. Like there's a lot of us out there who are like striving for authenticity, and it's uh, and it's uh, it's it's just like a great awesome way to tell stories. I feel like in a fictional format. Interesting. So. Patrick, are you gonna go? Are you gonna go to Africa within this time when they do this? I f- I, I want to go just to get the uh, get the feel of the sights and the sounds and the, get a feel of, of of the the scene and how how things sound out there. But 
do I want to sweat on a ship for uh, four months? Yes, I do. But uh, <laughs> 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 but I uh, but I I really want to just score this film and make and help make that be a benchmark of my career. So I'm really excited about doing this and seeing it, s- seeing the music help it come to life. So I want to go for a little while just to just to smell it, to see it, to feel it, to taste it. Patrick, talk about your history in music. Like, what's your primary instrument? How did you get started composing? Well, my history in music is I, I've, I've been in an instrumental band called Caverns. Uh, we are a, a rock progressive band. We, we've been together for almost a decade. We've toured with Clutch, Dillinger Escape Plan, um, you know, all over the country. And uh, we, but we're instrumental, so everyone is always like, man, I, you know, it sounds like a movie when we go see it. You because we're, we because we mix classical themes with with rock with with rock uh, with rock prose. So we kind of put things together, and I put that in a bag and put that aside. I I I always wanted to do music, and I've always wanted to do music for film. Um, but I just I knew I didn't have the network to do it, so I started a film company, and uh, and <laughs> and then. Uh, once I met John, it, it's, it, things started to make more sense that I could make music for picture uh, because his network was better than mine. And uh, and me being the Machiavellian person I am, I, I'm just like I must have his network as well. <laughs> but what about what about the instrument? What do you what's your primary instrument? I play piano, mm-hmm. but I also do digital music as well. Um, I use I use Reason, and um, I make I, I I started out making beats. I went to audio engineering school, and uh, where. Uh, Omega, mm-hmm. and and after Omega, you, you really realized that you were going to be poor for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I I picked up a camera and I stopped being poor, uh, and I, and I did GoGo. I, I filmed uh, GoGo shows for 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 years until I paid off my my equipment. And uh, wait a minute, did you sell the tapes? I mean, how did you? We made. John <laughs> came in uh, at the end of this uh, at the end of our reign but uh, we made crank music DVD one of the more popular <laughs> yes. uh, DVDs <laughs> yes and we paid off all of our equipment <laughs> exactly I'm, no I'm saying that's, I love the name it, it was amazing we, we, we put uh, some of the better bands who are now we put reaction on the map we put T.O.B. we made on a map exactly <laughs> we, we put T.C.B. In, in the spotlight um uh, got uh well Big ups to Polo. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so we did a lot. We did a lot in the go-go industry, but um, but that just. But I knew I wanted to make music for for film. So once we started to make commercials, I just kept pushing my my, my music to to the directors, and I started Church. to make music for com- for commercials. <laughs> Church. Church. Preach. Preach. Tabernacle. <laughs> Tabernacle. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about these the commercial work that you all have done. What sort of commercial work is D Dot? Films. Well, we we work we worked a lot in in, our, in the beginning. We worked a lot with MRB Films. They, mm-hmm. I mean, um, Brian Elsom has been a mentor to to me, and I'm sure to to, to John. Um, he, yeah, I, uh, I I I kind of I called up Brian Elsom when I was like 18. I was like, hey, I, uh, I like your images. Uh, can I work for you? And then ended up interning for him, and always going back to his company. Um, because he does great work. He's he's I think he's the best in DC. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And always going back to him, and eventually I started shooting for him. I've directed a little bit for him, but we have a really great kind of copacetic relationship where we understand. Because I came up, 
kind of underneath his uh, underneath his mentorship. And then once D Dot started hitting off as uh, as its own thing, Brian started uh, bringing Patrick in and me in more often to basically you know co shoot and co co do music and all this stuff. So he's been he's been awesome for us in the commercial world. Right, I PA'd for him for to... years. It feels yeah. like before he gave me an opportunity, but then when he did, he kept giving them. So that was it was really awesome. Can you? I feel like can you can you rise in the entertainment industry without a mentor? I feel like a mentor is like a pivotal thing. Like it's so hard. That's I, why you found me, buddy. Huh? <laughs> like, I mean, hey. I mean, you got a crappy mentor, but it's something. Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think you really need someone to just show you how it's done. You know, I mean, it, this is it's it's making films. Is I mean, it's not. The process isn't that hard. Someone just needs to show you how to do it. And, uh, I mean, writing, that's difficult. The creative, that's difficult. But the actual process of turning on a camera, of turning on the lights, and things like that, you just need someone to sit there and say, no, do it this way. And um, so, and without that, you'll just, you'll just, you just look stupid <laughs> because you'll, you'll pick up the wrong equipment and everyone will know that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so you really just need somebody. Mariah Carey's pivotal film Glitter. What did that do to influence you all? <laughs> Glitter. <laughs> I wonder how long you've been sitting on that question. You've been ready for all that one. day. <laughs> Wait, Mariah Carey's not in Glitter, is she? Oh yeah, it's her. It's her vehicle. I don't know why I know this, but I do. You know why? Because right after that came out, she got real crazy and went on TRL. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. That was like her public. What's the break. one with Whitney Houston in it? Is that Glitter too? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's Sparkle. That's the bodyguard. Sparkle. Sparkle. No, Sparkle. The bodyguard. Sparkle. How can these the movies bodyguard. not be the same? Thing? <laughs> the bodyguard was a dope film. And, uh, <laughs> Let's bring Alistair Kennedy into this. Yeah, yeah, my bad, Alistair. My bad. We've been talking a lot about film, and we've we've veered into the the world of music and commercials as well. But you, in addition to all this do some promotion here in the city. And I do. I'm, yeah. and, and you're a musical artist yourself. I'm trying to be. So tell us about uh, your creative endeavors, either the the uh, musical part creation or the musical part promotion. Um, well, a lot of it, I mean, I really did. Uh, Patrick, unfortunately, I have to say, is, is served as my mentor. Um, <laughs> through all, through all this progression, you know. No, I can't hear any of this. <laughs> <laughs> John's still my man. Hey, you want to get close to the mic, Alistair? Why do you I have to talk spit. like that you when you're talking to mic. us? What? You, gotta, you, you, you spit on mics. Come on, speak up. I can't hear Is you. he serious? Can he really not hear? <laughs> no. no. I can't hear Alistair. All right, hold on. I'll, I'll let you know. He's lying. He's <laughs> a, he's, <laughs> don't ever listen to anything John says. Yeah, because man's going back to the control room to adjust the level so you can hear him better. <laughs> oh, damn it, John. Um, but yeah, man. Yeah, you can uh, keep yeah. you can keep talking about but, uh, your mentor. See this guy, ego. You got deep ass voice, man. Yeah, you woo the women with that. You know, <laughs> that's how I got into the game, man. <laughs> <laughs> Found a way to make them like me even more. All right, John, you can hear now, right? I, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe too much. Turn it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. These these guys have been great, man. I've I've just been uh, sitting back and watching. Uh, when they they brought this whole thing together back in like '06, man, I knew it was gonna be something special. And uh, I was working on my music thing. Uh, Pat was one of my original producers, um, and I used to just brag about this guy how I found the next version of the Neptunes right here in DC because his style was just so different musically. It was just with everything he was bringing from Caverns and just his own his own background, classical background, doing piano. He just had a, a really crazy sound and then the go-go work and it was just, I mean, it was just all coming together and it was just like, man, this is really amazing. We've got to do something with this. Like, you got to hear this stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, one of my I, favorite Patrick's tracks is, he, I think he dubs Neil Morricone into one of his tracks. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Either sorry, way, I, I decided to make money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so enough I, of this dope creativity. Time for some cash. <laughs> time yeah. for some cash. Let me make some commercial music. So exactly. I, it, it really was a, I really, it, you just have to get out of making hip hop in this city sometimes because I really wanted to make uh, art that served, uh, that's, that gave me money um, because I wanted to have a career based around music and based around art. And I worked for years in, with, with Alistair and a whole lot of uh, hip hop artists in the city and I still love it, but man, you just can't get any money. It's just so hard, but so I, so, you know, and, 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 I, and the funny thing is I watched Al Sharpton one day <laughs> and Al Sharpton said something that, that I think a lot, a lot of black people should hear. It's like a lot of black people look at the market and, and they try to go where other people are going, but they don't look at the market as a whole and see where there's holes and see what's missing in the market and try to fill those missing holes. And that's really what I, what, what I, what I was trying to do because the internet is such a large real estate space for, for video it's the, the the market is endless kind of a thing and and that's and that's really kind of how i was like okay i got it something's got to give because some i got to pay for these audio engineering <laughs> schools somehow you know like so tabernacle wisdom preach <laughs> wisdom from reverend al yeah. reverend al changed yeah, really my Patrick. life i swear to god yo you weren't there when i made this when i, when I started d dot because because I, I i really wanted to start a, a, a production studio but if I if I can't count the number of people that start studios in their in their basements and they you know and they and they and they, and they struggle for years and years and years I I saw so many people doing that and I was like this can't be my life I have to find where people aren't now at that time people weren't <laughs> weren't doing video now everybody's doing video but it, but at that yeah, time I, I, I was I was off in the Philippines uh, shooting doc work and sending my sending my doc work off to Vice. Being like y'all should hire me, and then what is it? Ten years later, they're asking us to do our film for Bishop.net. So that was pretty cool. Amazing. Nice. Wait a minute, Alistair, about the promotion now, because <laughs> DC has gotten so much more fun, so much better. Nah, man, it's crazy. So much deeper. So black. in the past four years, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. No, I mean. Uh, promo marketing, just the whole entertainment nightlife scene. I mean, it's really, it's picked up tremendously. I mean, from back in the day when we first got the All Star Game, you know, it was like the biggest thing that to, to happen in DC. And you know, now I mean, it's like you know, if you perform or if you're an artist, I mean, you don't get any more love than you will right here in DC. And everybody knows we have some of the most beautiful women. That's why the Wizards and the Redskins suck for so long because they just. <laughs> We just have such beautiful women out here in the city. It is hard for anybody to focus, and if you can focus, then you can make magical things happen. So, where how the Nationals focusing? They, they, well, they initially sucked. Black so people don't like baseball. <laughs> 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 That's how they. That is, a, that is a topic for a completely different show, and I love it. Well, well, as you see, as they started to win, now they're going through a losing streak because yeah, now people yeah. are bringing them attention, and right. the groupies are coming out in, yeah. in, in, in folds, flocking. Oh, there man. you go. So Group. where 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 do your promotion nights? Where do these happen? Um, well, I do a couple spots in the city, but uh, I, I pretty much work at one of the biggest clubs here in the city, which is a uh, park. Okay. Um, Very good. Firm owners of Dream, which sure. turned to Love. Yeah. Uh, but now we've moved over into a better populated part of the city, 
right here on 14th Street. Better populated. Mark you Barnes mean, just kicked me out personally. Oh, he'll do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> he, he guided me out. And I and outside, I was so drunk, I called him a beige motherfucker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and man. told him I was I was, I was was yanking permits. I knew all the people from the <laughs> mayor's office. Completely lying. I was running up and down me like, being like, being like, tomorrow this shit's going to be all gated up. <laughs> and he's like, never let this fool in again. Because I was trying to talk to some, it was, it was a, a friend of mine and she was, and she was being trifling. So I was like, we were arguing out of nowhere. He's like, yo, you got to go. You're harassing women. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, I'm not harassing nobody. I'm but harassing woman. Singular. <laughs> but continue, continue. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Alistair, talk about Captain Wild Out sitting right next to you. <laughs> oh, Captain Wild Out, uh, the superhero himself. Captain uh, Wild Out. Captain Wild Studio. <laughs> <laughs> Are they, I don't know if people are ready for Captain. Is this one of your alter egos? <laughs> no, mine. I'm just the sidekick. Okay, of Captain Wildout. Yeah, okay, I'm Captain, Captain Wildout, but this is Captain ego. Calamity. Okay, <laughs> Captain Calamity. <laughs> Captain Wildout <laughs> comes out. Patrick Taylor. And Captain Calamity is sidekick Alistair Kennedy. <laughs> Yeah. And, and we just have random escapades throughout the city. Like uh, my birthday, we celebrated over at Park, did it really big, and got completely wasted. And when we came out, we could not find the car. DC had completely decided to tow our car, but not because we were parked in the wrong place. They just said that it needed to be on a different street. Okay. And so they moved it to some random location, and we walked around drunk for about at least an hour, hour and a half. They I just wanted their car. They weren't going to drive it. They just wanted to see it, touch it, <laughs> you know? a little bit, make sure it was okay. That was all. That's right. They would never conceive of actually getting behind I, the wheel. I don't know state. what this man is even doing. Oh, well, I, I just say the birthday boy. The birthday boy was drunk. I was drunk. There you go. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it was cool. It was cool. We we uh we never found the car. Took a cab home. Really? And it was great. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Where's the car now? Well, <laughs> well, it's outside. Oh, very good. Thank God. Where'd they tow it to? I mean, and what was the charge? They, first off, the DC will just they're just they're just like pirates. They they'll they'll steal your <laughs> tie it car. all together. Yeah, yeah. Tie it all why, together. Why go to Kenya when you <laughs> right? <laughs> when you got, yeah, because the tow truck people they'll just they'll just they'll just <laughs> they see your car in the wrong place, right? Instead of giving you a ticket, they'll just take your car and move it around the corner. That's pretty kind, don't you think? Just yeah, yeah, yeah a nice courtesy. Just around the corner. Yeah. So you get to your car and you're like. Damn, I must be wasted. Yeah, right. my car was right here. I know. I, I remember. I remember leaving the leaving the cup right next to cup, <laughs> and then and then it's around the corner. You can never find it. It's just yeah, it's, it's, it really is annoying. It's better than them taking it back to the lot. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I've been yeah. to that lot. It's better than down by the stadium, down by Nats Park. I don't want to know where it is. <laughs> oh, you've never been? Lucky Not, you. No, they've moved. They've moved my car, and they let me know how much it would have cost. Yeah, lucky that, you. Exactly. It takes you a whole day too. That's the worst part. It takes you, a, you know, wherever you're going. Unless you're going to the baseball game, it takes you a whole day to get down there, get your car, and get back. No man. Well, the sad part was they moved it closer to the club. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't find it till the next day. It was crazy. <laughs> and then. Uh, we went to Jamaican Joe's and tried to get some chicken. <laughs> so, and Jamaican Joe's is not open when they say they open. <laughs> we were standing out there for 30 minutes waiting for some jerk chicken, and they were not open. So, this is a message to everybody that likes Jamaican Joe's jerk chicken. Don't go at 12 o'clock on Saturday because they're not going to be. On open. North Capitol? No, on Florida. Uh, uh, it's like 12th and U Street. U Street. U Street. U Street. U Street. U Street. Oh, I know you talk. I've never been it to this place. We got jerk. This guy had it's me there tasty. immediately at 11 a.m. 
<laughs> after this random night we just had. And we it, waited till 12, till they opened, and then we waited an extra 15 minutes after. So we were there <laughs> for like an hour, waiting on the chicken, couldn't smell it, but we knew it was coming. It was coming. Was it worth it? Do you <laughs> no, it wasn't. We left <laughs> in we left. defeat. Yeah, there was no chicken. No chicken. <laughs> that was that genetic no predisposition right there. <laughs> Are we really talking about Jamaican Joe's? We're talking about Jamaican Joe's because I want to do a commercial for them, but they need to open up <laughs> on time. Their chicken is so good. All right. I mean, this is a wide ranging conversation. We can go. We, we can go anywhere that we want, including John Hybe. You have a three hundred one telephone number, and you're in Los Angeles. Don't they have three one zero numbers? Don't you get weird looks and questions about that? Yeah, they screwed. They screwed up. But you know, I haven't. I, I haven't been here that long. I don't come here that often. You know, I just come here when it's when when, when my presence is necessary. So it's. I, I still have an address in Washington D.C. You know right. what I'm saying? What part of town do you all live in? Sorry. Okay. Which part of town do y'all stay in? Um, I am staying at my friend's place in the hills. Okay. Uh, just, just north the hills north of uh, West Hollywood. No, I'm talking about DC. What part of? Oh, areas oh, do y'all um, roam? I live in Columbia Heights. Columbia Heights. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're in the Walter Reed area, uptown. Okay. Gold Coast. You know. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Uptown. Can't leave it. 16th Street, baby. Born and raised. <laughs> so if we're talking at all about nightlife and music in D.C., I just can't help but bring up my favorite venue. And I want to know if you guys have been there, if you're interested in this type of music at all. U Street Music Hall. Oh, yeah. Oh, John has a very cl- close and fond connection to U Street Is that right? <laughs> yeah, my, my, uh, my, my production designer and girlfriend... Uh, works at Eastern Musical actually so I'm there a lot really we were there the night of my birthday and that's where Captain Wildout's last appearance uh, who was yeah. spinning the night of your birthday somebody great who was spinning that night John? no that night uh, oh yeah we, it was, he was we had a classic hip hop artist there that night it was, at, it was uh, Africa. African Mombata. African Mombata was there. Yeah, we yeah. were partying I knew they so were playing. Hard. <laughs> we were partying so hard. God, Zulu, honorary membership to Zulu Nation. <sighs> Good time. For Captain Wildout. Captain Wildout <laughs> doesn't remember awesome. anything. But there was a guy at Exxon who, who chased me around with a crowbar. Wow. <laughs> that was when Captain Wildout came out. I talked. Yeah, I, I, I ducked out at that point. I was like, you, you carry on, Wildout. <laughs> <laughs> crowbar? What'd you do to summon this? Funny story. <laughs> of it, I went into the gas station. This is what I can remember, um, yeah, and what was been told to me by by, by <laughs> people there. I I went into the gas station, and apparently I said something very very rude to the girls, to the guy to the guy's girlfriend, who said, "I'm gonna go get my boyfriend. He's gonna whoop your ass." And I said, "Go get him." <laughs> I, I suggested that she should follow through on that plan. I called her bluff. So, and so, out walked a man gripping a crowbar. All business. All business. Six six. Ooh. About three something. And I said, I said to myself, "Put your hands up." Yeah. <laughs> Do I get hit? And so my girlfriend says to me, "Put your hands down. Why are you trying to fight?" I was like, "I'm not trying to get hit in the face with a crowbar." So basically, everything goes goes around. Uh, he's circling me around a car. I'm circling him. <laughs> but not really, you know. I'm just trying to keep my distance but not look like a little punk like I'm running away, you know. I would have um, dipped. <laughs> oh, yeah. I and he was like, in a hot second. And he was like, just get in your car. I was like, I'm not going to turn my back on you so you can hit me in the back of the head with the with the crowbar. I was like, you get in your car. <laughs> you know, so it went back and forth like that. But it was a good time. Well, thank God he didn't hit your car. 
Yeah, that could have happened too, Big Lebowski style. Right, right, right. But I could, I could see it in his eyes. He, <laughs> he, he didn't want to fight. He wanted to prove something to his girl. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just had to put on enough of a show. To allow this to go on, this whole thing so was theater. It was I'm like, dog, you don't want to fight, man. I understand what kind of predicament you're in, <laughs> but but let's put that in a box and put it aside. This guy wants to go and bust our front door open. This is how this this is Captain Calamity. He wants to go and bust our front door. Alistair Kennedy, we speak of. Uh, Alistair Kennedy. You know, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And so 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 <laughs> our nights our nights get kind of wild. But John has the wildest nights, so he, he he's no, he's no different. John, have you been well behaved lately? I have been well behaved, of course. Keeping it keeping it focused on filmmaking. <laughs> John so, has the craziest outfits when he comes out. Really? At the night at nighttime. Tell so, tell so, him tell him about the green onesie. <laughs> That's you. The green onesie. <laughs> Your outfit for uh, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> oh word yeah yeah, yeah. The, the ones you initially uh, I was having some friends over uh, for for lobster so we needed some lobster bibs <laughs> and uh, and so we got these giant shirts that cover your entire body single colored and it's pretty funny to see those things and then I decided uh, it, it was actually my girlfriend and production designer Courtney's idea to get these shirts and then we ended up using them uh, for a Kickstarter for a friendship test because it's pretty funny to see a grown-ass man in a, in a really large T-shirt all the way down to his ankles. And then then Patrick uh, also wore it in Friendship Test, uh, uh, the second one, the, the Great Skate Race, um, as his costume over his, uh, uh, over his potty. Uh, and, uh, and looked completely ridiculous in the yellow onesie. Um, yeah, I have, a whole, I have a whole slew of costumes for a number of, of different reasons, um, and I have no problems walking out into the into the streets of D.C. wild in my uh, in my costumes with no pants on <laughs> underneath the shirt. Damn, that's real. Can we that can we get to that talk. point? Can we get there? Can we? we did, did I say too much, John? <laughs> no, it's cool. Man. He wasn't you know, wearing a belt. That's good. It's the method. Method, John, what's the favorite night that you think you've ever had at U Street Music Hall? Like, what's the best experience uh, you've had there? You know, uh, I guess if you want to talk music, yeah. uh, it was definitely either um, definitely either Matthew Deere or Fortet. Those two nights were amazing. Cool. Um, I love both of those artists. Uh, the Rapture was an awesome show. But All Around Party uh, was after the Fishing Without Nets premiere in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, I was able to get like 20 friends into a completely sold-out A-Track show. I was there. And you were there? Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so it was my roommate. I had, I, 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 we got a bunch of our people in, um, and uh, we had an absolutely amazing party. And I've always wanted to stage dive. I've never done it. I've been to a million shows and I said this is just about the most perfect place to do it because it was it was a little inappropriate it felt like it was inappropriate to stage dive at an A-track show and I didn't want to like stage dive at some like beat rock show so I was like alright so I'm gonna go I'm gonna do this and I'm, I'm obviously cloudy in the brain I jump up on stage and I throw myself off uh, like body first and Everyone clears out of the way, and I smash onto the ground. <laughs> wow! 
it was amazing. It was amazing. And, and, uh, and I was hoping that wasn't some guy, some guy comes out to me immediately afterwards, and he's like, yo, you have no idea. I was recording an A-track. I was recording him, and I caught you jump, and I caught you in, and we watched it. It was fucking funniest thing I've ever seen. So, <laughs> was there pain? <laughs> was there pain? <laughs> is, there, is there pain in the enjoyment of a failed stage dive? No, there's no pain. No pain at all. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> good. I do want to ask you, so are, are any of your costumes going to be uh, brought out for the H Street Festival? Um, I don't think I'll be around for the H Street Festival, unfortunately. They actually contacted us to be to put the great skate, the giant roller skate mm -hmm. that we made in the H Street Festival, which is hilarious that they contacted us to do that. We also got contacted by uh, Chinatown's Cherry Blossom, or Chinatown's uh, New Year Parade. The Chinese New Year's. Yeah. Yeah, but we couldn't do it because uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the roller skates uh, demise within the short uh, Friendship Test for Great Skate Race coming soon um, <laughs> uh, was too colossal uh, to repair it for these uh, events. So you'll have to wait for the short to come out to see how that goes down. But I'll tell you, it's it's epic in nature, nature and proportion. <laughs> So I'm just curious. I mean, uh, to be a filmmaker in D.C., you know, you're, you're kind of in some way toiling in obscurity, but you said that that can kind of be a good thing. Why? Does it help you keep your head down, help you stay focused? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of focus. Um, I understand uh, now more than ever the necessity of a place like, like Los Angeles to both the independent and major filmmaker, com uh, uh, commercial filmmaker. I understand the necessity because of... Uh, that's where a lot of the money comes from in order to do... Oh, uh, right, the money. organized. Yeah, the money's organized. Keep forgetting about that. Money. Yeah. I mean, like, the money for our Fish Without Nest doesn't come from Los Angeles, but it comes from an organization that knows the person who has the money, and that's where these organizations are. So I understand the necessity of Los Angeles. Um, what I love about Washington, D.C. is my life. Hmm. Uh, so I'm a nice. filmmaker, but I'm also a human. And so I can, I, I wouldn't say I'm toiling in obscurity because I have the capacity to make films and I'm, I'm coming up now uh, in, in, in this capacity and this uh, access to making films. And I still, uh, I don't think that it's obscurity. I think that, it, that uh, DC in some ways either allows a bit of focus or uh, like there's security in my existence there because I've been there for a while. And uh, like there's nothing more uh, important to a uh, uh, person making art uh, than having like having that stable environment in which they can actually you know exist and make art uh, or at least conceive of it and then go off into your unstable places to uh, to actually produce it um, so there is there's a lot to be said about liking to live in Washington DC but you know there I understand completely the necessity of the uh, connections in Los Angeles and New York so. that was a really it, profound point you just made that that just that just spoke to me in a very real way John Hybee well done how did you get you. how did no thank you how did you get this film funded anyway um you know uh we we uh so once the short started getting pushed around I mean anybody who really wants to make uh, anybody who wants to make a film for any kind of money has to go out and they have to prove that they can actually go do it. Um, and uh, so you you can't just write a script and say, hooray, I mean, especially if you're a newcomer, you can't just write a script and say, hooray, now I, now make, let me do this. Like, that never happens. What you need to do is you need to make, uh, just like the pilots need to prove life, 
proof of life that these people are alive to uh, to get their to, to get their ransom money. You need to prove that you can make a film in order for someone to give you a large denomination. Of money. I love it. Draw out this that. pirate allegory as long as you can. <laughs> yeah, I'm just over and over. Um, so uh, so we had to make this short film. Uh, we had to get this short film to be seen by the right people. And Raphael Swan, another producer on the uh, on the film, uh, uh, is friends with Cutter Hodier and the director. And uh, and uh, Raffi had been working at WME, William Morris Endeavor, which is the entourage-based uh, uh, agency. And uh, and he was working there, and then he moved over to PYE, which is Prince Prado Young Entertainment, which is a management company. And so Raffi had these little networks here and there pocketed around that he could show the short film to. And as soon as these people started seeing the short film, it got passed around to more and more and more people. And then they started to talk to people about it, and then it got into Sundance. And that's when people really wanted to start talking to us. Like Vice, we met at we we talked to you for the first time at uh, Sundance. Um, and then once it won, people started getting more and more interested. In it, and we've basically been in a long uh, a long conversation with Vice since Sundance, trying to put this together. February to uh, February to today. You know, when the, when we finally had a small amount uh, of the budget put into our bank account that we now can use to pre-produce this film. Oh yeah. So it's been a really long conversation with our with uh, with Cutter's agents, with Cutter's managers, with our lawyer, uh, talking to Vice and talking to Think Media and talking to uh, their people, their lawyers, and trying to get the right deal done back and forth with us. Till today, finally, we uh, we had a wire transfer. So. Today, really? Yeah, literally today, this morning, I got a phone call from our banker. Mazel tov. <laughs> I'm so happy we could celebrate this joyous occasion with yeah, you. Yeah, I wish yeah, we had champagne. I wish we got a wire transfer today. What happened to the madcap wire transfer, David? <laughs> I just didn't tell you Let's about work it. on that. <laughs> I just didn't tell you about it. So, uh, how did you and Patrick meet? Did you all meet on the clay courts, on the clay tennis courts at Georgetown Prep? Oh, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> Insider information. <laughs> no, we... we, uh, we we met. I, I knew. I knew of his family at, at Georgetown Prep. He has. He has a bunch of brothers, and they all went to Georgetown Prep. So the Hybe and his mother used to work there. She actually helped okay. me get into college. So I knew the Hybe name, and I. I could have sworn that when I saw him at this uh, bike to the beach event, that he was his brother, because I knew his brother better than I knew okay. him. But he was filming, uh, and I was like, well. How is this guy filming? This is this is my beat. This is my network. <laughs> and so I saw him filming, and I and I was just like, and we we just connected on a business level because, like, I wanted that job and he had that job, and that's that's basically kind of how we met, but how we re met, um, and then and then I really only he only really started to hang out with me when I started to get him money. Uh, <laughs> 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 and then you realize, hey, this yeah. guy isn't half bad. Yeah, that's, that's the friendship <laughs> test right there. Am I getting paid? <laughs> and, and, at a certain point, he was like, Patrick, you should just pay me a salary. <laughs> I, said, I said, John, we have to work out a partnership type of arrangement because I'm not paying you shit. <laughs> the, the friendship, the friendship retainer, the friendship retainer, right? <laughs> but, um, but, but after, well, yeah, we, I mean, at that point, the difference between us was I knew how I knew how to use a camera, and Patrick knew how to hire a cameraman. So, <laughs> right, exactly. This is pretty simple. You know? It's pretty simple. <laughs> and and uh, I I put. 
his first uh, show with me was kind of funny. His car breaks down. He has this he has this crazy Volkswagen that just breaks down, <laughs> and uh, and and we're we're at the uh, where are we at we're at the tunnel filming filming a backyard show. <laughs> And Man, and I guess John has never seen. He has never seen anything like that. John, am I speaking for you? Have you ever seen anything like that? I never been to anything hip hop before. I've only gone to rock and electronic shows. So. And this was go go. So yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it was completely different. He gets there an hour late. I'm completely mad. But and then he and then his footage is just all these zooms. <laughs> and I, I was like, this is unbelievable. But his camera no, was no, really no, nice. It was so Shut up. I was moving around. I was moving around. I was floating. It's called, it's called, the, it's called the DP float. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't understand it at the time, but 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 I, I saw his genius later. So uh, Shoot, a uh, backyard show. Did you get any wall dances? Uh, the unfortunate thing about filming Go-Go's is that you can't have fun. You have to worry about the $20,000 worth of equipment that someone could just ruin by fighting and, and <laughs> knocking you over. Or and, shooting. Or, <laughs> or shooting, which didn't happen there, that, but that happened at a Waldorf club. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but that was really fun. It's neither here there. <laughs> so I do want to ask uh, one question. Uh, like, seriously, I know I've made my glitter joke, but what, fi- what film individually has had the most influence on you all? I'll start with John. John, uh, what, what film, like, has just had the biggest influence on your career, I guess. Um, that is a really hard question. Yeah. Film or filmmaker? Yeah. Um, you know, I. Uh, in terms of Americans, I guess I I I glom I glom to uh, you know P.T. Anderson, that kind of filmmaker. Um, he uh, he he's coming out with a new movie soon called The Something. Before that, he did. Uh, he's just he's done all great movies. Um, there will be blood. Uh, Magnolia. Um, uh, the the Dirk Diggler story, whatever that was. But he's always he can right now. What he's reaching into is, is heavy, heavy realism. Um, and there will be blood in the next movie. The something. Um, and I really like that stuff a lot. Boogie Nights. That was Dirk Diggler, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he 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 he, he is striving for authenticity in a way that very few people, people like Terrence Malick are going after, um, very few people are going after that at a really high level. Um, and he comes from, you know, kind of the Martin Scorsese uh, school of, of realism uh, that, you know, just gets up so high when you have, uh, when you have all the tricks of, of a huge production budget to make it happen. So um, I really like his pictures and I like what he's trying to do. Patrick? Uh, the pictures that really kind of changed me was Snatch and uh, and the the one before Lockstock and, and Two Smoke. Love it. it, it those love pi- that movie. I love those movies so much. A be- the score, the scores, and how they how they intertwine the, the music and with the with the film. I I just love the theme from from Snatch. The when, when he knocks the guy out, and then and then and then it's kind of like a carnival kind of esque kind of a feel. Like I, I just I love how they place the music behind the pictures, and I love how how I love the story. So that I watch that movie over and over and over again, and it's really like, how did they do that? Why did they do that? How did what instruments are they using? Is what what, what is what is that an organ? You know, it's like you just there's so many layers of good acting in that in that film that I just I just love it. Guy Ritchie fell off so hard, didn't he? So, <laughs> what happened? He married Madonna. 
and then ah, you man, don't he have did, to do anything. He just any. did the Sherlock Holmes movies. The oh, first did he? One was great. Oh, yeah, he did. Good for him. About it. Yeah, <laughs> nice comeback. The last Sherlock Holmes. Don't call it a comeback. It was horrible. The last Sherlock. Yeah, the last Sherlock was not good, but the first one was super cool. Yeah, Alistair, you don't have to. You can uh, talk about musicians if you want. Nah, man. Uh, you know, there's a couple movies. I mean, but uh, if you really want to get way back, it's, it's probably like the House Party series, man. <laughs> yes. It just, you know, That's just, a shout out to whoa, Fernando Madrigal whoa, whoa, if I ever was, heard one. Was Class Act better than House Party? Was that the I, one with Sinbad was, and Kidden play? Sinbad. Sinbad. Sinbad was in Class. Was Yo, Sinbad in Class Act? Nah, he wasn't in class. He might have been. Was he in any of the house parties? I don't remember Sinbad in in the first one, or he may have was in the second. He was in the second one. He was okay. in the second one when okay. they went to college. I think he was in the second one. Hoodland, right? Original Hoodland. The Hoodland brothers did this, right? Yeah, I think so. Was it though? Not my life. Not my. You're gonna make a claim like that. You have to be authoritative. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty positive. I'm there pretty, you go. I'm pretty positive. House party. Oh man. But yeah, you know, it was uh, it just it was really brought together. You know, showed you what you know film and music and how all of it could really come together you know yeah. if you just had an idea you know just screw it do it you know you like know which it. other movie what the ferris bueller's day off because i could have sworn i could have sworn that is. was what high school was like there and i went to is. all boys school right <laughs> so i don't know what high school was like but i hope it was like <laughs> that guy's experience with the girl and the car and skipping school yeah. if you I had liked school i wanted to go to school yeah. but I hope it was like that. That movie changed my life. You forever. just cited both of our favorite movies really? in one shot. <laughs> in one shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My it's biggest dream is a parade down Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue. I bust out and twist hey, and shout. That is Dark what I thought of. <laughs> That's what I thought of immediately when I heard that friendship test plot. Yes. Dancing in the middle of the street. Boom. Yeah, that's, yeah that's exactly. Fair. Is that was that a subtle homage, a nod to John Hughes and Ferris Bueller? We were looking for five thousand people to come up, but uh, <laughs> 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 no, the, the original one, there's actually a photo on uh, there's a photo on uh, on Facebook where I've got like the stereo player high up in the air. It's a, a and like I'm like basically doing the say anything pose. Yeah. And so I mean the friendship test stuff is definitely harkens back to the 80s movies um, Smart. in concept like uh, very much so uh, per- uh, particularly because one of the uh, most creative aspects of uh, making the, the roller skate Ben Bally um, he, uh, he's huge on 80s movies and uh, he, he immediately saw the 80s potential of <laughs> great skate race and friendship test and that's kind of what got him into making the roller skate a thing that could actually roll um, but yeah, there is like I, like what I'm trying to do with uh, the friendship test is 80s and in a lot of different ways, uh, super updated to today. Um, but yeah, totally is is I mean Ferris Bueller uh, and like I really I really hearken it back. Uh, I, w- I wanted to have like the last scene of Animal House kind of thing going on, and uh, different 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 things from the 80s movies are, are just hilarious to play off of. So. So if I could draw a circle around this entire conversation, <laughs> here are the terms that I would put inside of it. I'd like to know if you all can co-sign on this. We'll begin with focus and using your environment as an opportunity to engage in focusing. Networking, understanding who's... What's going on over there? He's in the wind, I feel like. Understanding who's around you and how they can help you get to where you want to be. Critical planning, i.e., how am I going to make some money for this creativity that I'm exhibiting and showing to the world? And finally, guts. 
having the guts and the vision to go out there and enact your vision without explicitly being told to go and do so. Cojones. Co-signed. I can, I can co-sign. I can absolutely co-sign that. All right, good. So oh, I, I want to know. Don't forget Al Sharpton. Thank you. Yes, and the inspiration <laughs> always. Do you know? Do you know? Friend of the show, Al been, Sharpton. We've been, like we've been bothering him about uh, about them being on the show, and they told us he'll he'll do it. And then like every time I'm like, Yo, when when can we when can we set up time? They're like, like they won't answer their phones. Like, you oh, yo. already interviewed him. Dude. I did. I did. But but could, like I'm could, trying to get him back. Could you guys <laughs> do it around Christmas time? Because his Christmas show on MSNBC. I don't know if you guys caught it. It was yeah. quite amazing. He had a choir. Good. And he was like, if the choir was singing political commentary, <laughs> and he was like, like, a he Greek, was, like a Greek chorus like, as like, a gospel choir. <laughs> you know? That is brilliant. And, he, and he's like, and he's like, the Republic, you know, he, he gives the whole thing and like he's the pastor. If you okay. guys could just talk to him about that, I will be a fan of this show. For all, right. all time, we will effort that. Yeah, you gotta get <laughs> Al Sharpton and talk about that. Christmas <laughs> shows are amazing. This Christmas show is gonna be amazing. <laughs> D- David I did. I want to do. I want to do. A, I want to do a friendship test for Christmas special. <laughs> yes. Good idea. Al Sharpton has to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Reverend. It should be called. It should be called Secret Santa. Baptist however, choir. it is. What did you say? Patrick, you can lead a Baptist choir. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. So, yeah. so where can we find information about all these projects? D dot friendship test fishing without nets. Run it down for us. Websites, uh, twitters, we want it all. If you want to see anything about fishing without nets, at somalipiratemovie dot com, somalipiratemovie dot com, somalipiratemovie dot com. That's simple. <laughs> D dot films. D dot films dot com. D D O T films dot com. Uh, d.films.com that's a good one if you want to hear some of our score work it's uh, d.scores.com and uh, to catch us on Twitter we're uh, at d.films on Instagram we're at d.films you'll you'll start to see the connections here on Facebook we're (laughs) d.films hey Um, and you can you can find all all the information on d.films.com and if you want and if you want to see the whole short film of Fish Without Nets, which uh, won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance Film Festival, so supposedly it's pretty good. You have to go to shortlistfilmfestival.com, shortlistfilmfestival.com. So right now we're in a competition up until basically Sunday or Monday. Uh, maybe this won't even come out before then. But uh, it won't. You go, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Forget about it. Fuck you. You can't see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> But if you do, just close your eyes and turn up the volume. You'll hear, you'll hear my, my music behind you. It'll be great. Alistair, where can the people find out about your parties uh, and your music? Um, well, uh, talkwithdc.com. And, uh, talkwithdc.com? Talk of DC. Talk of DC. Uh, all right, give me your a, phone number, Alistair. Say it again? No, don't do that. Don't give your phone number, Alistair. If the ladies want to call me. Yeah. Six, eight, oh. KL, <laughs> KL, my bad. KL5. You got to give them the Google number. You got to give them the Google number. No, and uh, Twitter uh, at HOD202. So, uh, there it is. Can you can you tell Mark Barnes to beat go easy on me next time? No, because he'll whip my ass. So I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm afraid of him. I'm sorry. Mark right. Barnes is smaller than you are. You're really he not this, but not he this has, town. He has, secur- he has Mark, security. Mark Barnes draws a lot of water in this town. He draws. You don't draw shit. Just kidding. <laughs> that's just a big. Damn, that's, a, that's a big Lebowski line. You got. You had to let me finish it. But it still hurt me. It's though. not about you. Gotcha. Don't worry. I got you. Make them all back, man. You guys got the sharpest knuckles I've ever seen. Sharpest knuckles. Well, you know, sometimes you got to get crazy on them. It's madcaps. Reckless. Well, thank you, 
John, for being by the phone. Thank you. I know you're standing outside the building. You've been out there for like an hour, right? Just stand, yeah, you, it, feels, it feels like an hour, but it's the middle of the day. Don't worry about it. I'm sweating my ass off. Don't worry about it. And he's in California. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot so your time just hate him. Yeah. yeah. Patrick and Alistair, thank you all for coming in studio. Yes. Hey, appreciate you having Thank you for me, having us, please. It's been a pleasure. And we will link to all these excellent projects at our website, madcapdc.org. Also, check out, uh, I'm about to come out with a, a web series for the uh, Postal Service. It'll, it'll come out on uh, in November. It'll be a comedic series of 10 shorts uh, that we're going to be promoting packing tips, but we're going to make them hilarious. Okay. <laughs> All right. Check that out, USPS.com. <laughs> All right. Awesome. True. Awesome. Really, Patrick? Really? <laughs> <laughs> You're not really? the only one doing big shit, man. I got a multi-million dollar corporation with me, <laughs> too, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> right. Fuck California. Yeah, the Postal Service. <laughs> Let's check out the USPS.com part and put d.films.com over it. Oh, and they'll be on d.films.com as well because I cannot be sued. Because it's on YouTube. Because he's Machiavellian. All right, thanks everybody. We appreciate it. The time has come to enjoy myself. I've left my problems up on the shelf. The workday's over and I got it made. Like Johnny Kemp said, I just got paid and I'm ready to mingle. Young man single and free, ready to get busy. Down to party, hearty, and have a good time. All I need is a partner in crime. Call up the homies and hope they might say they're down to paint the town red tonight. Look in the closet and pull out the hype gear. Hook up the high top fade and I'm out of here To a disco or a party of some kind Hope that I would find myself a good time Before I'm through and the night is done Man, I'm gonna have fun Ain't gonna hurt.